ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. We welcome you to Gospel Dynamite, a Christian broadcast dedicated to the salvation of the lost and the revival of God's people. I'm Alan Mashburn, your Bible teacher and the pastor of Asbury Baptist Church, located at 218 Asbury Church Road in Seagrove, North Carolina. We invite you to visit our church at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings and Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock. On Sunday evenings, we provide online services which can be viewed on gospeldynamite.org. Now please join me in the study of the Word of God. You're listening to Gospel Dynamite. Thank you for joining us. I'd like you to turn your Bible to Revelation 12, verses 7 through 17, as we continue our study in the book of Revelation. Today we look at the great dragon is cast out. Revelation chapter 12, verse 7. There was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought against his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They loved not their lives unto the death. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. When the dragon saw that he was cast unto the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle, she might fly into the wilderness, into her place, where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the face of the serpent. And the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. The chapter we're studying here in Revelation is a chapter wrapped in conflict. In our last study, we witnessed war between the nation of Israel, symbolized by pregnant woman, and Satan, symbolized by a great red dragon. As we read our text today, you may have noticed that these verses continue the image of the conflict. In fact, verse 7 is quite a shock to the system. When we read of war in heaven kind of takes us back a moment. We don't think of heaven as being a place where wars are fought. If the Bible announced a war on earth, 
we would not be so shocked. Our world has a long history of bloody warfare. According to one statistician, in the 5,600 years of recorded human history, there have been some 14,531 wars. Many of history's wars were conflicts between two nations or two factions within a nation. But in World War II, war was taken to a new and devastating height. By the time the war reached its zenith, only 12 nations were not involved in the conflict on at least some level. In the year 2000, there were at least 40 armed conflicts being fought on the soil of 36 different countries. No telling what that number is today. Yet when we read of warfare in heaven, we're taken back a moment because this war will settle a conflict that has been raging since before there was a world. As we discovered in our last study, Lucifer, who seems to have been the chief among God's angels, sinned against God. He led one-third of the angels of heaven away from him in this rebellion. He and they were removed from God's presence. Lucifer became Satan, and he's done everything in his power to disrupt the eternal plan of God to redeem people from his ruined creation. And since that time, as we will discover, Satan has had limited access to heaven. This chapter tells us about the final battle in this ages old war. And in this battle, Satan, the great dragon, is forever cast out of heaven. And while there are details here that are confusing, these verses are a blessing to the child of God. They tell us of a day when Jesus Christ will cast Satan finally and eternally out of heaven. First, I would have you see the revealing of the dragon. There are several passages that talk about the devil, his origin, and his activities. Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 20. Ezekiel chapter 28, verses 12 and 19. 1 Peter 5, 8. This passage seems to reveal the devil far more clearly than any other passage in the scripture. Verse 9, we see his names. A quick look at the names given to this creature reveals much about him and what people need to know. First, we see dragon. The word dragon is a winged uh, mythical creature. Resembles a serpent with four legs. Dragons are usually associated with fierceness, brutality, violence, and destruction. Superstitious people in the Dark Ages lived in a fear of fire-breathing dragons. This image is very fitting for Satan. He's a violent character. He's bent on the total destruction of God and his creation. And he's responsible for countless deaths and wars. And the Bible makes note of a much older terminology, if you will, that dates all the way back to Genesis, the old serpent. This immediately calls us back to the first appearance of Satan in the Bible, Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1. And in that passage, Satan appears to Eve in the form of a serpent and entices her to commit sin. And the image of the serpent is an image of something that is evil, contemptible, detestable, 
deceitful, underhanded, and sly. What a perfect depiction of the devil. He spends his time attempting to deceive everyone he encounters. Then we have the word devil. The word devil comes from the word diablos. It refers to one who is a slanderer, a false accuser. Pictures him as a creature who stands before God, accusing the saints of God. And this is just what the Bible says he does in Job 1 and 2. When we fail, he accuses us before the throne of God. He slanders our name and he slanders our Savior as well. We have the name Satan. The word means adversary or one who stands opposed. This is what Satan is all about. He opposes everything that has to do with God. And he opposes everything God is trying to do. He opposes the people of God, the house of God, the word of God, and the plan of God. He stands in open opposition to everything that is decent, ethical, moral, holy, and right. He is an adversary. In verses 9 and 10, we see his nature. This passage not only reveals Satan through his names, but through his nature. And the passage reveals the two most common activities of the devil. He's revealed by his earthly deceptions in verse 9. We're told that he is that person which deceiveth the whole earth. The word deceiveth means to seduce, to lead astray, to lead out of the right way. That is Satan's mission. And when he be appeared before the Lord in Job 1 and 7 and Job 2 and verse 2, he was asked about his activities. He replied that he had come from going to and fro in the earth and walking up and down in it. He was on the prowl for souls to deceive. That is what Peter says about him in 1 Peter 1 and verse 5. The word seeking in that verse means to crave, it means to reason, it means to plot. Satan is always plotting someone's fall. He craves the souls of men. He reasons out ways to turn people away from God and away from Christ. And he is very good at what he does. He can come in our midst and he can doesn't even have to be recognized according to 2 Corinthians 11, 13 and 14. He's a deceiver and he always has been. He is incorrigibly evil. That means that he is incapable of doing anything that is righteous and holy. When he came to Eve in Eden, he is called subtle. The word means crafty and shrewd. Satan deceived Eve and he's been deceiving people ever since. And he will continue to weave his web of lies and half-truths until he's cast into the lake of fire. Verse 10 reveals 
some of his heavenly declarations. Satan is described by the host of heaven as the accuser of our brethren. The Bible says is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. The word accuser means to make an accusation. Speaks of a plaintiff who brings up another person on charges. That is Satan's pastime. That is his business. And it seems from Job 1 and verse 6 and Job 2 and verse 1 that Satan still has some limited access to the throne of God. And when he appears there, he does so to condemn the saints of God. He did this to Job, and he did this to Joshua in Zechariah 3 and verse 1. He stands before God, and he points out our sins and our failures. He doesn't have to lie about us at all. Because we have enough failure and sin in our lives that he has a full and ready supply of accusations to make. Yet when he opens his mouth and declares his case, the saints of God have a man on the inside. We have an advocate. We have a lawyer in heaven, 1 John 2 and verse 1. Romans 8 and verse 34. Hebrews 7 and verse 25. The word advocate in 1 John 2 and verse 2 means one who pleads another man's case before a judge. Jesus Christ, our advocate stands up to declare us just and justified. He pleads our case by showing the nail prints in his hands and feet. He pleads the blood that he shed on the cross as the perfect eternal payment for all our sins. And the Father cries, Case dismissed! Praise be to him. I would also show you, secondly, the removal of the dragon. Verses 7 through 9, he is defeated by a heavenly warrior. We do not know who initiates this war in heaven, but we do know who wins it. The angelic host of heaven are led in this conflict by an angel named Michael. His name means who is like God. He is a very special angel. He is called an archangel in Jude verse 9. In Daniel 10 and verse 13, he is called one of the chief princes. In Daniel 12 and verse 1, he is called the great prince. Michael opposes the onslaught of Satan and his demonic army. And he leads the heavenly angels in permanently ousting Satan and his demons from heaven. In verse 8, that tells us neither was their place found anymore in heaven. Verse 9 tells us that he and his angels were cast out into the earth. The words cast out mean to let go of a thing without caring where it falls. Satan is forever driven from heaven. Verses 10 and 11, we see he's defeated by heavenly and holy witnesses. When Satan is cast out of heaven, the glory spills out of the cup and overflows into the saucer. 
heaven literally explodes in praise and thanksgiving. The tormentor, the accuser of the brethren, brethren, the arch enemy of God and the most feared and hated being in the universe has been forever expelled from heaven. So the citizens of heaven praise God and this lamb for their power and glory in overcoming Satan. Then praise is rendered on behalf of the tribulation saints who were martyred for their faith. And while Michael was able to expel him from heaven, these Christian martyrs are called overcomers as well. And they use three weapons to defeat the devil. Number one, they used the blood of the lamb. They did not fall for Satan's lies that religion would be good enough. They did not fall for the lie that they were good enough. When they saw their condition, they turned to Christ by faith, and they were washed in the blood of the Lamb. And once they were hidden behind the fortress of the blood of Christ, they were safe from all attacks by Satan against their souls. He might kill their bodies, but he could not touch their souls. And they had been redeemed, and they had obtained victory. They had obtained eternal victory. Which brings the question, have you been washed in that blood? Secondly, they used the word of their testimony. They stuck to their guns. They would not renounce their faith in Christ. The word testimony means report. They claimed to be redeemed followers of Christ and they never backed down from that claim and their steadfastness helped them achieve victory over Satan. He may have killed their bodies, but they did with their testimonies what their flesh could not do. His defeat was sealed with every death. Thirdly, they used their supreme love for Christ. Even when they were threatened with death, they would not back down. They loved their Redeemer more than they loved their own lives. And they would sooner die for him who died for them than deny him. They stood their ground and courageously faced a martyr's death, knowing that when life left the body here, it would continue forever in his blessed presence. But as we go into verse 12, we see the rampage of the dragon. Satan does not take being cast out of heaven very well. He now turns his wrath to the only place he can still operate, earth. This pronounces in verse 12 a divine woe upon the inhabitants of the earth because they are about to feel the unfiltered fury of an angry devil. He knows that he only has a limited time before the eternal plan of the Lord is finished. He knows that he's facing certain judgment. And since he cannot bid his anger toward heaven and God any longer, he turns his hatred earthward and attacks the people living upon the earth. Verses 13 through 17. 
The primary object of Satan's wrath becomes the chosen people of God, the nation of Israel. And as we saw in verses 1 through 6, Satan hates Israel and does everything in his power to destroy this nation. And in these verses, we are given a more details of this horrific time. We're told that Satan persecuted the woman. The word persecuted means to chase or to pursue. It refers to a hostile pursuit, and Satan goes after Israel with a vengeance. He pursues them with violent destruction on his mind. But we're told again that they are protected divinely. The image of eagle's wings is symbolic of God's personal protection of his chosen people. Exodus chapter 19 and verse 4 says, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bear you on eagle's wings and brought you unto myself. God brings Israel into a place of safety that he has prepared for them. There he will feed them. There he will care for them three and one half years. Satan will be totally prevented from destroying the nation of Israel. Verse 15 depicts the attacks of Satan being like a great flood of water. He'll pull out all the stops and try everything at his disposal to destroy Israel. But even the earth gets involved. We're told in verse 16 that the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood. This may mean that some friendly nations of the earth, Gentile people, will reach out to Israel and take them in, give to their need during these dark days, or it may mean that the earth will absorb the blows that Satan intended for Israel. Whatever these images mean, one thing is clear. God has a plan for Israel, and Satan will not thwart that plan. God is sovereign, and he will do as he will, when he will, just like he said he will, concerning all things, especially the nation of Israel. And verse 17, it teaches us, that there will be a fateful remnant of Israel during the dark days of the tribulation. There will be a multitude of Jews saved through the preaching of the 144,000 Jewish preachers and the two witnesses who will be preaching in Jerusalem. And these redeemed Jews will embrace the Messiah and they will come back to the word of God and they will be persecuted for their faith. But a remnant will be saved according to Matthew 24 verses 1 through 22. God will have the final say and he says that Satan loses and that God God's people win. And as I've studied and as I preach these messages, I've seen, studied, and preached some horrible things. Yet every now and then, we're allowed to find a cause for rejoicing even in the darkest, most mysterious parts of this book. And in this passage, we learn that the devil, that evil being who has fought against God and his plan and his people for thousands of years, will be defeated. We learn that the one who has accused us when we fail and has condemned us by name in heaven will one day be cast out of that city. 
We'll learn later that his path will end in the flames of the lake of fire. I'd see that any word that talks about the devil getting what is coming to him is a good, good word. I don't know about you, but I find great pleasure in knowing that our adversary is going to be cast into hell someday. And I praise God for that. It is a reason to clear off a spot and shout. There may be some listening to me today that are lost, that without Christ, you don't want to do this. You don't want to go through this. You don't want to live without Christ. Well, friend, you've never lived until you have him. Would you consider him right now? Would you come to Christ, the Bible says in Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 and 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Come to Christ today. He's waiting. He died for you. Won't you live for him? Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. We trust it's been a blessing. Trust you'll have a great week in the Lord. Log on to our website, gospeldynamite.org. And let us know if you've accepted Christ or this message has helped you. God bless you and we trust you have a great day in the Lord.